What's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff, and today I have with us, he's worked with Rockefeller Records, Universal Music, Motown Records, among other notable record labels. He is the founder and CEO of the brand Architects, Anton Barnes. How you doing, Anton? I'm fine. And yourself, how are you doing today, Clifford? I'm good, man. I'm really good. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Really quick, before we jump right into it and introduce the topics, I want to do like I always do, shout out all the social media listeners, the followers, and everyone all around the world in all 60-plus countries taking and supporting the same show podcast. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Continue liking, sharing, and subscribing. And if you're listening and you don't follow us already, be sure to check us out at the same underscore show on Instagram and Twitter. That's same, S-A-N-E underscore show on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find us on Facebook at the same show. Again, on Facebook, the same show. So today I want to talk to you about changing course, you know, going from one passion to another, especially you having transitioned in your career and done a few different things. And then I also want to talk to you about transferable skills. Again, having done different things and developing different skills throughout your career and being able to apply those things to uh, different parts of your career as well. Following that, we're going to have an interview where I'll ask you some questions so that the listeners can get the more insight into you, your journey, and also, you know, again, just learn from that as well. Let's hop right into it with changing course, you know, one passion to another. And, you know, I'll be honest, when I was putting this together, I really didn't think much of it. But then as I looked into your journey and I realized, you know, you, you were really into music. And I'm, I know, I'm sure you still got the love for music. But then you transitioned into other things as well. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, because, again, me being young and aspiring to want to do so many different things in this industry, you know, I sat back and I said, wow. Just because you start with one passion doesn't mean that you have to do that forever. Like Not it's okay to pursue different things. So if you could, I, I want you to speak on that to give the listeners a little bit of insight as to you know going from one passion to another and that it being something totally acceptable. Well, no, to tell you the truth, one thing you'll find out about me and is that I'm very frank and I'm very transparent. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I may say may come to some people's shock. But at the end of the day, I believe in, how can I say, giving in detail what certain industries, my experiences in certain industries were. And I've made decisions that I've made in my career and why I did those. So like, I, like you had mentioned, I started in the music industry. And I'll be frank with you. I had no intentions of being in the music industry. I was going to sell cars. I mean, I, I'm a car lover. I love cars. Growing up, my father was a minority owner, the very few minority owners of a Porsche dealership in the United States. So be, seeing an African-American male in that type of position and having those type of, uh, how can I say, and running a business like that, seeing the, the good and the bad, it inspired me in college. But I guess you could say sometimes things just fall into your lap. Destiny happens. While I was in college, uh, me and a group of my friends to help pay for college tuition and grad school, to be frank with you, we threw parties. 
they started out as house parties and then they just all of a sudden exploded into concerts where we were actually making pretty good money. I mean, we were the first ones to bring Jay-Z to the D.C. area, Biggie, Wu-Tang Clan, Funkmaster Flex, Faith Evans. I mean, you name it. So one night, this may have been maybe 1995, we were doing Faith Evans album release party. And I still remember getting a call from Dame Dash. This dude named Dame Dash, fast talking to him. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, who? Dame Dash, this, this Dame Dash. I'm like, who is this? So he's like, hey, man, this is Dame Dash. I got an artist <laughs> named Jay-Z. I'm like, who? Jay-Z? Like, I didn't even know who Jay-Z was. So long story wow. short, yeah, the, we, he was like, hey, we'd love to have him open up for your Faith Evans album release party in Baltimore. So I was like, all right, cool. We ain't got to pay for him, right? No, we, we'll come in, open up. Long story short, we had a crowd of about 4,000 people. He destroyed it. And upon, uh, at the end of the concert, they asked me to basically come work for them at Rockefeller Records. And at the time, I wasn't, like I said, at the time, I wasn't really into the music industry. I didn't really know much about it. I mean, my father had contacts in it, but it wasn't really something that I wanted to pursue. So we had a further conversation, and they were like, hey, listen. You come work for us. Represent. I, I wasn't moving back to New York. I'm like, listen, I want to stay in the Maryland area and finish my school. We got a position. You could be our mid-Atlantic rep. We'll pay you this, and we'll help support your, your education. And I was like, okay, bet. And I kind of fell into the music. Industry. So I, I was at Rockefeller mm-hmm. from 95 to 97. Then I went to Loud Records, where we helped develop the careers of Big Pun, Mob Deep, Wu-Tang Clan, you name it. I was the regional and northeast director there from 97 to 2000. Then I went to Motown from 2000 to 2002, then Universal, Universal Motown. So long story short, you know, I had a very, I had a very exciting career. Um, I, 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 I say it, I believe I was in the music industry during the golden era uh, at the time where, you know, it was fun. It was a lot of great music coming out. Our approach to positioning the music was great. But I also, I'm a person that I see the future. And when I saw Napster come out and I saw what we were doing with Napster, I kind of knew the end of music industry was coming. I was like, okay, you know what? The way they're going about mm. this is not the right way. We're fighting it instead of trying to join it. I kind of was like, okay, I need to kind of, I don't see record labels being the way that they are now, 10 years from now. And they weren't. As you see, all these labels started, subsidiary labels started falling off, and then the big majors just started coming in. And I'll be honest with you, I started seeing people's true colors. Like, I'm the type of individual where I don't, the music industry is very shady. I'm going to tell you straight up. It's very shady industry. Mm -hmm. You can't trust a lot of people. And also, you know, I saw the treatment that they were, we were giving the artists, and I really didn't like it. But then I'll be perfectly frank. I didn't like where we were going with the music. There was one point in time where I was making good money and doing everything, but I wasn't, I wasn't motivated. I didn't like the music we were pushing. I didn't like the people I worked with. I'll be perfectly frank with you. With me, I like to do something that represents something. And we weren't representing our community the right way. It was just about money. And at the time, this may have been 2000, this maybe 2008, 2009, I started thinking about it. But in the time while I was doing that, you know, I was, we were the largest record label in the country. So I would meet all these athletes. And of course, all the athletes wanted to meet and hang out with the artists and the clubs and at the parties. So 
I would have conversations with them, and it, they were very interesting. And I would talk to them about, okay, so what are you guys doing? Like, okay, besides sports, what do you do? And these young men basically had no answers, nothing. Oh, I just play, I just play football. I just, and I mean, these are first round draft pick guys winning Super Bowls, and I was, mm-hmm. I was like, interesting. I was like, wow. So I was like, so what do you plan on doing when you're done playing football? And they couldn't answer that. So it started planting the seed in my head, like, hmm, I really think I could help these young men out. And one in particular. He was an all-pro tight end. I won't say his name. He was really my first client. He pursued me to work for him for like two, three years. And I would just consistently turn him down. But then one morning, I just like, I just decided I wanted to, I, I didn't want to work in the music industry. I just couldn't, I couldn't support my, I couldn't come to myself promoting music that I personally didn't like and working with people I didn't like. I'll be perfectly honest with you. So that's when I started the brand Architects. I called the this particular tight end up and said, hey, listen, let's have a conversation. And he was very excited. And we talked on the phone for like four hours about non-football related stuff. Nothing to deal with football. I'm like, I don't want to talk about football. You have that. You're, you're, you're at the top of your game. Let's talk about what you want to do with football and your brand. During my days working with the likes of Jay-Z, Nelly, Cash Money, and all of that, we were able to diversify these artists' brands so they could get income and stand for something more than just artists. So that's when I kind of came up with the plan that we need to do this in regards to athletes, especially our minority athletes, because a lot of times they are just labels as athletes. And when their playing days are over, they're done. A lot of people see a lot of these athletes being broke, some of them committing suicide. I mean, some of them are very sad story, very sad endings. And I blame the industry and I blame the people around them, their agents, their financial advisors, even some of their friends that, you know, I blame them because I started doing research and they didn't prepare these young men for life after football. Similar to a lot of the artists, like you call them one hit wonders. You know, a lot of these artists, one week they're hot, the next week you're reading about them in the tabloids. Very similar. They were very similar, very similar, I guess you could say, outcomes. So at that point, I decided to start the brand Architects and really leave the music industry behind and really make my mark and take my experience in the music industry to the sporting arena. Because first off, there was a, there was a need. And then secondly, I saw the ending of the music industry and it was a good career shift for me as well, too. So question to you, because one of the things my mentor had always said to me is like, no matter what you want to do in the business, there's so many different paths in which you can go to get to wherever it is you want to end up. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people starting out in the business, there's a lot of amb- ambiguity. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes people have, a, you know, they're like, oh, man, I want to do this, but I don't know where to even begin. What advice would you give to people who are starting out someone fresh out of school looking mm-hmm. to maybe get an internship at an agency or wherever in the industry and wow. trying to figure, find their way. What, what would you say to them? Is this in the music industry or the sporting industry? Just in general. Just the I general guess, entertainment, entertainment industry? Entertainment, yeah. You know what? It's very, it's, it's very, the entertainment industry is very, it morphosizes all the time. It, it, it's adaptable. It's, you have to be, especially with technology nowadays, like a lot of people want to get internships at the big agencies like CAA and all of these other entities, I, I don't advise them to do that. 
I advise them to get an internship with a small, a smaller agency because you'll get more hands-on knowledge on how to deal with artists, athletes, actors, whatever you call them, because you'll get more hands-on, I, I say, experience with it. If you join one of these big agencies, you're not, you know, first you're going to have to fight through all of the political aspects of it. You know, people get so, people don't, they quick to forget the politics of this game. Okay? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people who have great talents, but they don't know the politics of it. And, uh, and it's a shame because you shouldn't have to kiss somebody's ass to advance in a career. If you have a talent and a gift, you shouldn't have to, how can I say, ride somebody's coattail to advance your career. But unfortunately, a lot of the times that's the case. But if you're in a smaller agency that you could kind of really get that hands-on experience, because I tell people, when you, I've worked at these major corporations, I've worked at these big conglomerates, and it gets very, it, you get so caught up in the politics that you can't even, sometimes you may not even enjoy the experience. It may, it may totally change your perspective of the industry. And that's the sad mm. part because there's a lot of good in the industry. Don't get it twisted. That's your passion. But when you get caught up with the politics of it, it may, it'll burn you out before you even get a chance to get going. So, and especially when you start getting in the big corporate, you know, these big agencies, you may be the most talented, gifted person in there, but you're not caught up. You're not in the right political circle. You won't advance. And, it's, right. and, I, and I really encourage, especially our minorities, you know, our minority brothers and sisters to, to definitely do that because we see what's going on in our country right now. We know what exists. Let's just be perfectly frank here. So it's like, okay, find a click that you could grow. Find, search a company that's going to let you grow and let you be involved. Don't grow. Don't let a, don't be in a company where they're just having you send facts and send emails and answering phone calls because you're not learning the industry that way. You're basically just a, a handyman or a handy woman. All right, we're back. So I want to talk to you now about transferable skills. Speaking from experience myself, having, you know, I started in radio, got on as an intern with a a tour promoter, now my mentor, and I've done some work booking agents. And I mean, not booking as as a booking agent, booking shows for music artists, upcoming music artists. Mm -hmm. And I've taken a lot of that to help prepare me as a podcaster and so, again, you know all about that, having gone from one industry to another, but really being able, because you, you know, you touched on that in the last segment about how you were able, you know, you were talking to these athletes and talking to them about their game plan, helping them, taking what you already have to be able mm-hmm. to help them and advance their career on and off the field. So if right. you could give me a little bit of insight as to, you know, how you were able to do that and, and also some of your tips on being able to go from one thing to another and still be able to add value. For sure. I mean, I tell anyone, you have to be adaptable, okay? You have to be able to adjust certain careers, technology, environment, trends. They all change certain industries. So it's just to go, kind of go back to when we were in the music industry where I was telling my superiors, the upper, upper, upper management, like, hey, listen, we need to 
create our own type of streaming network instead of fighting Napster. And we called it they had the, you know, the dinosaur mentality. No, we're, we've been doing this for years and we're not ending. Look where they ended up. So you always have to be mindful on what's going on, anything that's associated with your industry, but also other industries. You have to be with technology and especially with brand recognition now in regards to branding. You have to be adverse. You have to be able to be able to uh, be able, I call it uh, multifaceted branding in regards to what you represent, what your client represents, what it stands for. Because if you don't, you pigeonhole yourself and True. you have to just like, OK, you could be an expert in this one field. And listen, we all know what they say. A smart person knows they don't know everything, but at least they're aware of everything. There's a difference. So you have to be aware of the ever changing atmosphere and the ever changing when it comes to, you know, technology and like I said, cultural trends and all everything. You have to be mindful of this. You can't just be caught up single mindedly just in what your daily operations are, because that at, at any time that can end and change and you're going to have to make a shift. And if you're not be, if you're not able to adapt to the shift, you're setting yourself up for failure. So the most important thing I tell everybody, be adaptable, be aware mm -hmm. of everything that's in your surroundings, not just associated in your industry, but also, your, you know, other. Right. It's very true. What would you say are some of the most valuable skills in which you took from the, the like those key skills that you took mm -hmm. from the music industry and took and that took you all the way? <laughs> One thing uh I listen, I mean, I'm quick to I'm quick to make a shift. I don't how can I say? You can't hold on to things. You can't hold you gotta be able mm. to you can't hold on to things. You know what I mean? I tell people that all of the time. You gotta be able to let things go and be like, okay, did that, done that, been there, that's old. Okay, where how can I use what I learned from that to get me there? See what I'm mm. saying? Yeah. That's key. See, a lot of people want to hold on to what they did and, oh, I've been there and I did this. Okay, cool. That was yesterday. What are you working on today to get you to tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You know, and you have to be, people have to keep, have that mindset because what if you don't have that mindset, then, like I said, you'll be stuck in the past and you won't be able to adapt, like I said. You have to have that mm -hmm. adaptability. OK, in regards to the ever shifting atmosphere, in regards to, you know, industries uh, that you may be involved with. Or, like I said, that you may have to you may be forced to make a change in your life. You may be fired. A lot of times people don't see them true. So some people are always saying, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. But then they don't do it until they're forced to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, they, you know, what I mean, and it's like, OK, why do you have to be in a situation where you say you, you get fired? OK then you have no choice but to adapt and find a new find a new job or find a new career or find yourself. I mean, with the COVID-19, prime example, I think a lot of people are using this opportunity to find themselves. Some yep. people aren't. Some people aren't. <laughs> Some people are wasting this time. But I tell people, listen, use this time to diversify yourself in regards to, okay, how is this job that I'm doing right now relevant? How long will it last? And how things, something like COVID-19 drastically affected it. Because there's a lot of people out there saying, I've, I've always wanted to do this. Well, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing it? 
It's like people sometimes they need someone else to validate what they want to do. No, don't sit around waiting for somebody else's validation. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> that's, that's true. You know? Go ahead. No, no, because it's like that, that's the problem with a lot of people. They're so worried about other people's praises or listen, the world is full of bandwagon hoppers. A lot of people tell you you can't do it. You shouldn't do it because they can't do it. No, just do it. Because believe me, once you do it, then they're going to jump on board. That's true. That's very true. You said a lot when you talk about this pandemic, because I can even speak to that as far as the plans that I've had for this show and everything like just got wrecked. Yeah. And having to make the adjustment, it forced me to look again and say, well, there's got to be some kind of opportunity there. Let me go back to the drawing board. And honestly, I hate that it played out this way and that we have to deal with a pandemic, but there's a blessing. There was a blessing in disguise at the same time because I'm in a better place than I want it to be. So yeah, yeah, you know, you it's like, yeah, it's like you said, you learn to adapt and just, you know, take it, take it. Like, as I like to say, roll with the punches. So that's what you have to do. That's listen, life. That's what life, that's life. Yeah. I tell a lot of these young men, I mean, you know, I'm 48. I got 20 years on you. Life is going to throw some curveballs your way. They are. And I tell people, when I was younger, I used to overreact and panic and stress. Now, as I got, I've gotten older and realized that's part of life, I, just, I sleep like a baby. Because I'm like, listen, okay, it happened. Okay, what do we got to do? Like, right. with, with our clients, COVID, we represent a number of NFL players, a number of them. Okay, there was a lot of off-season things we had planned for them. COVID came, changed everything. But guess what? They're just as busy now because COVID happened. George Floyd happened. So a lot, they're, they're even more active now. Okay, they may not be in studio or in person, but everything, thank God we have the technology to adapt. So we yeah. just shifted their focus. You have to be able to shift. And you're, if you're not an individual that's diverse, you, you better find yourself right now. Because yeah. I think right now, it's showing people's shortcomings and why they need to be able to adapt because if like with a number of our clients i'm like okay a lot of nfl players now i think they're getting reality checks nfl nba all of them because like okay without this sport what are you going to do right what can you do and they're sitting around twiddling their thumbs they can't do anything same's going to happen with artists artists can't mm -hmm. go to you can't do no concerts or parties right now y'all can't do nothing mm -hmm. so a lot of them are feeling the pressure right now like okay what do, you, what do you what do you represent at the end of the day? That's what matters. You have to represent more than what you're labeled as. And, and that's being a athlete. That's being a business person. Everybody. I think everybody's going through that. OK, now for the interview, I'm going to ask you some questions so that the listeners can learn more about you, okay. about your background, and all the fun things that go along with that. So my first question to you, you have been in the music industry, you've dabbled in the design industry, and now you find yourself as a brand manager. What did you see in the musicians and athletes' brand management that you felt was lacking? There was no, life there was no lifestyle branding. There was no... I saw that they were dependent their brand was dependent on serving the record label or serving the sports entity like it was all about okay how 
you know, how many records can we so sell? And let's just say hypothetically in a music industry, once your records are stopped selling, once your once the radio stops playing your music, now what? And you know, and a lot of artists were able to adapt. I mean, you had Jay Z with Rockaware, you had Fifty Cents with his clothing line. You started seeing uh, some of them in the two thousand early two thousands use their platforms to create other opportunities. Rockefeller had we had the the, the I mean we had so much stuff I can't even remember. I mean we had I woke with Danny <laughs> Dash. We had all types of entities that they used the the Rockefeller brand for and created opportunities. And it kind of, I think they were one of the first, you know, then you had Def Jam doing it with Fat Farm and, mm-hmm. you know, and then 50 Cents and then Puffy yep. with, with the, John. Uh, John, there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it was a culture. We influenced the culture with our music. So with that being said, you know, corporate America sort of value in that. So they were like, oh, we could use these guys as the face of this and use their name because guess what? They have influence. They have all of these millions of followers and people that purchasing power, okay, buying their records, they can also, we could use that to purchase clothes or to rock and all these other entities. So <laughs> it started in the music industry and a lot of the athletes would sit back and admire that. And I'm like, don't sit back and admire it, do it yourself. Cause they would, you know, unfortunately a lot of our young athletes, they don't get that positive reinforcement to be more than just athletes. Like, when I deal with our athletes, I don't care about football. I don't even go to the games. We represent over 20 guys. I don't what? I don't need to worry. I'm not going to a game. I'm worried about you as a man because guess what? I'm going to use the NFL to create opportunities for what you like to do. I tell them, you're in a unique position that the typical 21 to 30-year-old, especially African-American male, isn't. You're, mm-hmm. in, the, you're, you're in the NFL. So people are going to be curious on what you're doing, what your other interests are. I don't care if it's painting. You know, that's kind of where we did the design thing. That was with Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis wanted, he was a painter. He liked to paint. He liked to do interior design. He liked other things. He wanted to be known as just an outstanding football player. So with that being said, we were like, okay, well, we need to tell that story to the world. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the problems that a lot of these athletes, their agents, and I put a lot of blame on these agents. A lot of these agents aren't, they're, they're worthless. Because they only pigeonhole them to just be athletes. Because guess what? That's the only thing that matters to them. They don't care about these kids when their careers are over. So that's where I saw the disconnect. Because it was similar to a lot of artists. Like I said, one hit wonders. A lot of artists that were hot one year and then going the next. The same with a lot of athletes. I call it individual branding. Individual branding using your current platform to build your individual brand. Good eye. <laughs> so given your company's charity management how do you see brand management addressing the heightened role of activism in the public persona of major athletes and entertainers? I mean, they have to, re- they have to accept the responsibility that they're influencing. Don't get in this industry if you're not going to come in. So I'm tired of seeing a lot of athletes and artists influencing our youth to do bad things. I'll be honest with you. Too many, and I, and I, and I challenge the music industry to to step their game up because they really influence the culture whether it's good or bad and we need to we need to make them responsible for the messages that they give just how we hold athletes responsible for their actions so they have to accept the fact that they have a fan base they have people that are looking up to them regardless of whether they want it or not it's a responsibility okay mm-hmm. that's one of the perks that comes with being in a blessed situation you're blessed you don't have a typical nine to five like people have so, okay, 
that's a minor sacrifice is to basically use your resources to help build a legacy. I call it legacy building. That's how people are going to remember you when you're, when you're, when you're long gone. Right. And, and it also sets you up for life after football. Philanthropy and community activism is very, it says a lot in regards to who you are and especially with our current environment, okay? It's like, what do you represent outside of the playing field, okay? What do you represent when you're not in the right, you know, in the studio? They're very similar entities. I tell them, they're very, you guys are the, the, the actors, entertainers, period. You, you guys are influencers, okay? What are you doing? Don't let everything just be for the dollar because at the end of the day, trust me, the dollars will actually last longer if you represent something well and represent something good, especially in our current environment in our country. I agree with that. I certainly do. And so with this next question, you, again, having done all the things that you've done and you've developed an eye, I mean, you're just like an agent, like a scout, and like a recruiter. But what mm-hmm. are your considerations when taking on a new client regarding their past and future online behavior, especially in the environment that we live in. And, you know, we all like to talk about cancel culture. So what, yes. is, what are you, what are your considerations? Yes. Well, before we even take on a client, I do, our, you know, my, me and my, my team does due diligence. We do some research on the kid. There's clients that we haven't taken on. There's clients that I fired because they didn't listen. We can't make you do something unless you want to do it. Okay. I tell the kids like, we can't, I can't hold your hand. I could guide you, but I can't hold your hand 24 seven. Is either you want to do this, you want to be more than just an athlete. That's our motto. Like, I tell everybody, if you want to look up to anybody, look up to LeBron James. Look up to LeBron. LeBron is more than just a basketball player. And guess how he's helped his team, his boys around him. They're not just leeches. They're not just his boys laying around smoking weed and just taking advantage of him. No, they they are his business entities now. And a lot of white corporate America doesn't like that. I'll be honest with you, that's a threat. So I'm like, he's changing people's perspective, perception of he's not just an athlete. He's a corporation. And I tell everyone, if you want to, you may not be on that level, but have that mindset. See what I'm saying? On regards to how do you want to use, I tell the guys, listen, you can catch a football. I can't teach you how to run a route. I can't teach you how to sack a quarterback. You got that. That's easy. You do that in your sleep. Okay, six months out of the year, okay, you focus on that. But the other six months of the year, we need to focus on, okay, what's going to happen when you get that final check from the NFL? Or that you get one hit. All it takes is one practice and your career is over. Yeah. It's over like that. And a lot lot of them don't have people in their corners telling them that. One thing I, me, that we, that I cherish on is that I'm going to always tell you what you want to hear. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to always tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. If you can't accept that, we can't work together. Because guess what? You're not going to listen, and I'm not going to waste my time. I don't care who you are. Respect. (laughs) As I'm talking to you, you're familiar with the show Ballers with Dwayne Johnson. Everybody said, my friend is on there, and he was like, yo, you were the real. It's funny you said it, because my friend is the brother on there. He's like, I know him. He's like, you the real life, Dwayne. I was like, yeah, I wish I got Dwayne Check's bank account, Dwayne Johnson's <laughs> bank account, but yeah, he's like, yo, you the real one. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but there's, <laughs> but there's things that he did stupid on that show. I'm like, yo, he's messing up. So believe yeah. me, I've seen a couple of mistakes that he even made on that show. Right. And my friend is like, yeah, and you wouldn't have done that. I'm like, yeah, I danced for wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
my my last question what are what are your main concerns for continuing to build brand awareness and maintaining stability for your clients and yourself in the midst of this uh, COVID pandemic as it continues to disrupt professional sports? You know what, though? I'm not really worried about it because a lot of our clients, we tend to, and I encourage forward thinking guys, like we're working on their other business entities. We're working on their charities. We're working on other things that are non-football related to be perfectly frank with you. Like a lot of the guys are refocused and between the George Floyd situation and COVID, a lot of guys have been motivated. And, and, and this is just not my clients. I've spoken to, I have affiliate, I have friends and organizations and, and, and the particular minorities. And they're like, there's a, there's extra energy. We're in a situation right now that we've never seen in our country. And it's up to us to take advantage of this opportunity because we all know if this is America. We don't know how long they're going to be, on this, okay, let's help and let's really advance, you know, entity because there's a lot of people out there with lip service, but then there's actually some people out there that's actually trying to do something. So as of current right now, a lot of our guys are very, very motivated in being more than just athletes mm-hmm. because they see how quickly it could be taken away, but then also they're getting a reality check like, okay, you know what? Yes, we have to do something. We have to do something. And and guys are holding people accountable. They're holding the NFL accountable. They're holding each other players accountable. They're holding leaders accountable. They're, lo- they're holding everyone accountable. So it's like while we have that, while we have this momentum, we're utilizing it and we're trying to get as much accomplished as we can. That's good stuff. I'm, I, I, I like that answer. <laughs> I it's like really that answer, and I, honestly, after yeah. having this conversation with you, that, that's what I would expect to hear from you. You know, yeah, when I sure. ask you that question. <laughs> for sure. Um, really quick, before I let you go, if you could, you know, let the listeners know where they can find you, so that they can stay on top of brand architects, your clients, and see all the cool things that you guys are doing. You can check my IG page, which is the Brand Arc, which is T H T H E B R A N D. A-R-C-H, and then our website, which is thebrandarchitects.biz. Cool deal. You guys heard him. Go, be sure to check him out. Check out his clients. He's doing some really dope stuff. Like I said, I've, I've, before the show, and, you know, looking at everything you're doing, I thought it was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you, again, taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. Definitely have to have you back on in the future, especially when things pick up for everybody <laughs> yeah you know we get back to some type of normal but it's going to be a new normal i tell yeah. you better get used to it that's true that's very true with that being said this is the same show to show about nothing and everything and until next time we're out we're out